You're listening to News Radio KMAN. Now back to the game with Mitch Fortner, David G, and Troy Coverdale. Hour two of the game. It's the game after work. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berklin. Hour number one. We had a lot of talk about uh, NBC potentially been involved with talks with Notre Dame. Notre Dame asking potentially for, uh, it's been reported, for $75 million and maybe partnering up with the Big 12 to enhance its deal to bring more college football to NBC. And I suppose, you know, I don't like the term shoulder programming, like potentially the Big 12 being a warm-up band for Notre Dame, but I suppose it's not too bad to be partnered up with Notre Dame and if NBC's also trying to fight for the Big 12 along with Fox, ESPN, CBS, maybe. I suppose it's not the best it's not the worst spot to be in. You still want to be a, the strong third in the pecking order. It's impossible to be one or two at this point. That's reserved for the SEC and the Big 10. But for the Big 12, if this latest report is true, you can make the argument it is a better deal potentially for the Big 12 when it comes to staying as the third best. If you have networks fighting over you, trying to put these giant deals together, Notre Dame is interested in you teaming up with them to make money and make them more money, it could be worse. And... You just got a very aggressive, or at least known to be aggressive, in marketing circles, commissioner. Again, I said it in the first hour. When these kind of things happen, these reports are out there, my mind just goes berserk. <laughs> it's running through every single scenario, and I tend to freak out a little bit. This is me calming down a little bit and trying to see the good that comes out of it. And there you have it. The good is out of it. But... um some uh, news breaking, actually, just a few moments ago. Travion, um, do you see the breaking news button over there? When you find it, could you hit it for me? It's there somewhere. Should be, like, on the top row. Maybe the second row. There go. Breaking news. So this weekend, the TBT, the basketball tournament, is taking place with the Wichita Regional. The Purple and Black are back. The Case alumni team will be competing on Friday. They have added another player to its roster. And ladies and gentlemen, I saw it coming. Did you see it coming? I hope you did, because this is awesome news. The latest addition to the purple and black, I like to call them the purple and black attack. The K-State alumni team for the basketball tournament playing this Friday, 6 o'clock in Wichita. Michael Beasley. Unreal. Michael Beasley has joined the team, and guys, just <laughs> I think we know, I think we have a pretty good idea that this is kind of a big deal. This is kind of a game changer. Now, let's not forget who else is also on this team. I'll just go in order. They're listed here on the Meet the Purple and Black K-State alumni team. Henry Walker, Jacob Pullen, Justin Edwards, Kamal Stokes, Khalid Thomas, I don't know him. Martavius Irving, Michael Beasley. Mike McGurl. Thomas Gibson. And a couple of other guys that did not play for K-State but helped fill up the roster. 
Yeah, Michael Beasley, who's about to go make some good money, seven figures in China, and just absolutely tear it up before he heads overseas. He's going to play with some of his old teammates and those that came after him. That sound you hear? Aftershocks wincing. Though they've got Ron Baker back for their team. Aftershocks being the Wichita State. Let me look at the squad. Uh, yeah, let me look at the uh, let me look at the bracket here because I know that's not who K State plays. No, not in the opener, but th- they played the Lone Star Legends in the opener, and again as I uh, bring up the bracket here and for the basketball tournament, twenty twenty two. So the Wichita Regional. Yeah, the Aftershocks are actually the one seed. <laughs> now, K-State, to play them, they would have to meet in the like the Elite Eight. Uh, but for the Purple and Black, they play the Lone Star Legends. Let's see if I recognize any names here. Uh, not really. I'm not recognizing really any of these names. They look out of shape. They look old. Yeah. Yep, the uh, cat's going to wipe the floor with them. That's for sure. Purple and black. Here they come. And then maybe in the next round, they might play the... Uh, I don't even know these. I, who cares? The purple and black are a new team now. Michael Beasley has joined them. And if you're not going down to Wichita for the game, which I believe is at Coke Arena, is it not? It is. Okay. So they're going to stream it on ESPN. It says ESPN3. I mean, do we call it ESPN3 anymore? ESPN Plus? Yeah, it, it yeah, it doesn't make sense for it to be. I guess other than the fact that cable systems still have it listed as ESPN3 on, on their stuff. So they play this Friday. This Friday at 6 o'clock is when they tip off. So right after the show is when they're going to be tipping off on ESPN3, ESPN Plus, whatever. Purple and black, Michael Beasley and the K-State alumni team going for that first round victory. You know, it has been a minute since, you know, Michael Beasley did play at K-State. We're talking March of 2008. Oh, no, April. April 2008. What was that last game in April? He was like right there. Now, maybe it wasn't quite April yet. Of course, that would have been like Final Four time. So March. I was right. March of uh, 2008. Last time Michael Beasley was wearing purple. I don't think he wore purple anywhere else Mm -hmm. uh, professionally. But the young man averaged 26 points, 12 rebounds a game. Not too bad. All right. um, I was also looking for the Ric Flair news, but I didn't see anything. Michael Beasley has taken over Twitter. That's how big this is. Because, oh, Ric Flair. Oh, it's a tag match. I just found it. Ric Flair and Andrade El Idolo, who is his son-in-law, married his daughter Charlotte Okay, against Jeff Jarrett, who is a Hall of Famer. I mean, I've seen him wrestle a few times. And Jay Lethal, who helped train Ric Flair for his uh, – and I, I get a tag match because Rick isn't going to be taking all those no. bumps for 20 to 30 minutes. All right, so there's the big Ric Flair news as well. We're just breaking a whole bunch of news here to start out the second hour of the game. Mitch, Troy, and Trey. But let's get to the interview, I promise, because this gentleman has made a bold prediction about the Cats, K-State football in 2022. His name is Carl Reed, and he is a college football analyst for 24-7 sports. 
Now, where he popped on my radar was just last week when he was talking about Deuce Vaughn and the potential of Deuce Vaughn this season. And he's got a high ceiling for Deuce Vaughn. So first question out of the gate for Carl Reed, just how high is that ceiling for Deuce Vaughn in 2022? So I think that Deuce Vaughn is, um, I think he's right there with the top backs in the country. I think he's a guy that has a legitimate opportunity at Heisman Trophy consideration. I mean, he can run the ball out of the backfield in terms of in between the tackles. Kansas State is a heavy power old team. They like to craft the guard and kick out the end. And he does a great job at running the power hole. He also does some zone stuff. But he's equally adept at catching the ball out the backfield or, or going in motion and catching the ball. It's just a variety of ways that he can be used. And I think that he's a major problem for defenses in the Big 12. And he's a guy that jumps off the charts at me as a, as a guy that's going to have a big season. And if K-State is going to win the Big 12, it's going to be behind how well Deuce Vaughn plays this year and how consistent he is offensively. But I, I think that he's proven time and time again that he's a big-time player. Is there anybody else in the Big 12 that you would also put up there when it comes to conversation for the Heisman Trophy? No, I mean, not not yet. I, I don't think that um, – I mean, I, I, I think B. John Robinson um, from Texas would have an opportunity if Texas plays better. But they haven't, you know, they haven't showed. I think Xavier Worthy if Queen, at Texas also, if Quinn Ewers uh, has the season that everybody is expecting him to have, Xavier Worthy is going to have to do a big part of that. So if Texas can take a step towards the top of the league, then, yeah, those two guys could also take a step up in the Heisman Trophy consideration. And a lot of it is going to be, are you playing meaningful games down the stretch in October and November? If you're in the heavy, if you're in the race, if you're playing for the conference championship, it definitely helps your opportunity, you know, to be in that type of consideration. There, there's a debate out there that nobody is actually, in, from what I've seen, really debating too much, and that is Deuce Vaughn versus B. John Robinson. Do you give the advantage to Deuce? Well, yeah, I give it to Deuce because of team success. I think he's got a better football team right now, and uh, and I think that they're better positioned, you know, from that standpoint. But Texas is going to have an opportunity to show that that they're for real as well. So you never know how it plays out. And that's why we play the game. Speaking with college football analyst for 24-7 Sports, Carl Reed here on the game. Adrian Martinez is now a quarterback for the Cats. How do you how do you like that uh, fit with uh, K-State, a new uh, offensive coordinator, Colin Klein? Well, I, I, I think that it's a good fit for him because they're not going to ask him to do too much, right? He's just got to play mistake-free football and, and, and be more of a game manager role. I, I think Chris Klein's career, I mean, going back to North Dakota State, they haven't asked their quarterback to do a whole lot, even though they have some special guys up there at NB State. Um, I think that he's a, a welcome addition to him. I think that Klein will do a great job maximizing what they like to do. People don't understand. I, I've seen K-State play against Oklahoma in the past. Like It's hard in this day and age of spread offenses to stop a team that wants to run the power all offense at you. Um, it's, it's a tough offense to stop. And if you can get that offensive line coming downhill, um, you can put the other team at a huge disadvantage. And so I, I, I expect for them to dominate the games in the trenches and with the run game. Do you have an opinion on K-State's defense? Everybody 
the the radar is on Felix and Udike Uzama at defensive end with Khalid Duke also returning. But you know, just from what you know about K State, do you feel like they have one of the more better defenses in the Big Twelve? Well, they'll be great rushing the passer. Um, a lot of it's going. You know, in the Big Twelve, is how good the secondary play. Do you have a secondary that can hold up in the passing game too? You're gonna have to deal with heavy RPO stuff. You know, with Texas, heavy RPO stuff with Oklahoma. So. If you can hold up in the passing game, um, then it's going to be a good deal for you. Also, I think it gives them a little advantage having those guys in the trenches because Baylor is very good up front on both sides. You know, So in order to beat them, you're going to also have to be heavy up in the trenches. But defensively, we haven't seen a dominant defense in the Big 12, I'd say, in recent memory. It's been a long time since somebody's been really, really dominant on defense. So... As long as you can keep teams respectable and so you don't just get your doors blown off, you can give yourself a chance to win. Where do you put – you mentioned Deuce Vaughn. You know, he's got to have a Heisman type of season for K-State to really, truly have a shot at the Big 12 championship. So preseason, would you have K-State kind of like where everybody else is, like the dark horse for the title, or would you put K-State in preseason? K-State is my pick to win the Big 12 this year. And I think that this is the time to do it. I think Oklahoma lost a lot. And even though I think Coach Venables is going to do a good job, there's always an adjustment, you know, when a first-year coach takes over and building this culture. I think Texas is still down a little bit, but they're climbing. I think that K-State is well-positioned this year to make a run and win the Big 12. Carl, man, I love that prediction. Cats winning the Big 12. Easy with those, though, because if you do that too much, we'll get you here in Manhattan, throw you a parade, and might even make you mayor. You never know. Don't throw me a, par- don't throw me a parade until after the Big 12 championship. If they win the Big 12 championship, then I'm going to expect the parade in Manhattan. Oh, Carl, I mean, we would get you in a Corvette, make it the Grand Marshal, make it Carl Reed Day in Manhattan, Kansas after that. Now, I do love the prediction. Cats winning the Big 12, but you know who would they beat? I agree with you that Oklahoma is vulnerable. Absolutely. Texas has to prove it that they can get it done. And Oklahoma State, they always kind of fall short, do they not? So, I mean, who would your thought be right now on who K-State would play and beat in the Big 12 championship? Well, I'm not I'm not sure because, you know, the Big 12 right now is so um, – anything can happen, right? So, like, in the, in the past, when you look at uh, – when you look at the Big 12, you think about Oklahoma, they were probably the most consistent, right? Um, you think about what Baylor has come on and, and, and done. Like, you, you, you think about those teams – but I think, man, it's so wide open this year. The only team that I really love right now is Kansas State. We're speaking with Carl Reed, college football analyst for 24-7 Sports here on the game. So nationally, college football playoff, the usual suspects are the favorites to get in this year. Uh, but who would you have right now in your top four? Is it the usual teams that we see year after year? Do you maybe think of a couple, one or two teams that might be able to sneak in this year that aren't predicted? Well, I think that Ohio State is a lot. I, I think they're going to dominate the Big Ten this year. You know, so I, I, I would be surprised if they're not in. And I think that Alabama is is, is loaded, um, even more loaded than usual. I think they're highly motivated. So I look at those two teams. If Clemson can beat North Carolina State, if they can hold off NC State in the ACC, you would expect Clemson. And then that fourth spot, you know, that fourth spot, 
is up in there. It could be Georgia again, another SEC team um, can use USC or Oregon, do enough, you know, to get out. Can the undefeated, is the Big 12 champion undefeated? You know, it's a lot to look at for that fourth spot. But I think those top three teams, you know, are, are, are really pulling away early. Now, I was looking at your Twitter bio, and it says you used to be the head coach for uh, Lutheran North High School. Is that the one in St. Louis? Yes, yes. Um, for you Big 12 guys, you, you remember Ronnie Perkins that played yeah. at Oklahoma. He was he was one of my star players um, during his time at Lutheran North. Did there happen to be any Wildcats that you coached or maybe was a student-athlete basketball or something that made their way to K-State? No, I didn't have any guys play for K State. One of my one of my high school teammates played at K State years ago. Milton Proffitt um, was a safety for Bill Snyder um, during during the Mike Bishop years. Absolutely. You know, so we can and then you know Mo Lattimore recruited St. Louis. Uh, we had guys like Lamar Brown. We had we just very good players from St. Louis that went on and played at uh, at K State. It's always been a, a great recruiting spot for K State. Well, Carl, I greatly appreciate your time coming on the show. I, I love your thoughts on uh, K-State and your optimism for the Cats in 2022. Uh, thank you so much, and uh, look forward to hearing more from you for this upcoming football season. All right, anytime, my brother. There you have it from 24-7 Sports. Call Reed here on the game. When we come back, Dylan Edwards, the recruit from Derby, the four-star running back coming to K-State. He committed a few weeks ago. He once again showed us just how fast he was in a national competition. That's next. Hey, we've discussed a whole bunch of topics today. Uh, reported by Dennis Dodd at CBSSports.com saying that Notre Dame is asking for $75 million annually from NBC and wanting to loop in uh, is NBC the Big 12 to make – that deal just a bit sweeter and enhance its production of college football every Saturday. There's uh, some optimism and some pessimism, I suppose, in that, if you ask me. But also, Michael Beasley has been added to the purple and black roster for the basketball tournament. They'll play this Saturday, or I'm sorry, this Friday at 6 o'clock in, uh, in Wichita. What else do we have today? The non-con schedule is out for men's basketball. The Find the find News Radio K Man on Facebook. You can find that whole schedule right now for the non-con. What else? Do we have anything else? Rick Flair, his last match was announced earlier today. He's teaming up with his son-in-law, Andrade El Idolo, who married his daughter Charlotte. Because Jeff Jarrett, who's a Hall of Famer, Jay Lethal, who trained Rick Flair for this final match. Just so much is going on. What I love about the big, it's, they're calling it the big three. And Michael Beasley, he it's been out there for a while. Like he was giving me in Kansas City with the purple and black team practicing. That uh, it, I mean, the secret got out that Beasley was going to be a part of this team. But now he's reunited with Jacob Pullen and Henry Walker, who are both or all three were on that 07-08 team that beat Kansas in the streak. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be really awesome. I got a feeling, you know. I got a feeling with this edition, maybe they're going to sell a few more tickets to those that wear purple to see this. And I, I thought, you know, Jacob Pullen would be enough. That would put some butts in some seats every foot and a half. Adding Michael Beasley to the bunch to see that reunion take place. 
Like, now I'm trying to figure out a way, like, can we get the show? Like, I, I, it's Sage's last show, I know, but, like, should we do it from Wichita? That's what I'm no. saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but since it is Sage's last show, we promised we'd give her a nice send-off. I suppose we'll stay here, but it um, doesn't mean we can get a few guests on, you know what I mean? I feel like I'm losing my voice. Am I losing my voice a little bit? Maybe a little bit. It's been a big day. It's been a really big day. Now, I've also been looking forward to, to mentioning this, like just getting that news out there. It doesn't really even have to be a discussion. I just want to get it out there because I think this is something that should be bragged about, especially if you're a K-State football fan and you've been enjoying what the team has done recruiting-wise for the 2023 class because Dylan Edwards is back in the news. He is the four-star running back out of Derby. Manhattan High will play in week one. I will not forget that. Already prepping. So Dylan Edwards, this past weekend, was in Florida. He was there for the Under Armour Future 50. Now, like the Elite 11, there were more than 11 quarterbacks in Los Angeles. And for the Future 50, there were more than 50 athletes for this event. There was a little over 60 for this event. And we're talking from all different positions. They were competing in some seven-on-seven, doing a little one-on-one action as well. But during this event this weekend, they also had the fastest man contest. And they're just basically, you know, the fastest men in this competition were racing in 40s, 40-yard dashes. And this is something that Dylan Edwards has been on record and competing in before. Not this particular challenge, but also just his 40-yard dash being out there as public knowledge. As a matter of fact, it was underclassmen, they reported on Twitter a month ago, that Dylan Edwards is the third fastest player in the 2023 class and didn't give his 40 time, but said he was running at 22.03 miles per hour. And that is already like elite speed. That is extraordinary speed. Well, I'm glad to say, and it makes me a little giddy because he was able to top himself at the future 50. So the there's even videos on Twitter. You can, an easy way to do it, you could just search for, I mean, Dylan Edwards has retweeted the tweets. Dylan Edwards, you can find him at Dylan underscore Edwards zero two. He has retweeted the videos and man, is he fast. Just watching the video, you could tell he's fast, but here are the numbers. He won the fastest man competition. He was the fastest man this past weekend in Florida. His 40 time, 4.38. That's blazing, folks. That's blazing speed. Let me give you let me give you a comparison. So I'm trying to think of like the the fastest running backs I can remember here at Casey, at least on record, like 40 times that we know. I'm gonna throw out Josh Scobie. I'm going to throw out there Darren Sproles, even Deuce Vaughn. They have all ran a 40 time that I have been able to find on record. Right. I mean, they're all, they were all like really similar. We're talking 4.44, 4.45, 4.43 in that area. But Dylan Edwards, 4.38, and he still has another year of high school football to go. And I mentioned just moments ago that underclassmen reported that his 
Top speed was 22.03 miles per hour, running that 4.3840. They topped him out with the Catapult GPS system of 22.9 miles per hour. Almost improved his MPH by a full mile per hour. That is the speed that is coming to K-State. Now, Dylan Edwards, he at one point, was it yesterday, maybe today, maybe a couple days ago, I don't know. But he retweeted one of those videos and said, quote, It's crazy because y'all really still sleeping on me. In all caps, everybody is going to wake up soon. Dylan, let's have a quick talk for a second, just me and you. Dylan, I can't explain how wide awake I am. I am, if I tried to go to sleep right now on you, I'd be tossing and turning for hours. I am well aware. I can't speak for everybody. I'll speak for myself. I'll let Troy speak for himself. Dylan, I have seen plenty of evidence that your footwork is elite. Your speed is elite. He is a one-cut running back. And when I remember Darren Sproles coming up, like I can remember the hype going into the 0-2 season and about how everybody was explaining that if you give him just a, just a, a gasp of air of space, with his speed, he is gone. You cannot catch Darren Sproles. If you give him just a few feet of breathing room, and if he gets a step on you, he is gone. Dylan Edwards is in the neighborhood of that. Because remember, he's still playing at the high school level. I'm not gonna definitely I'm definitely not gonna make any comparisons. I'm not gonna say he's better than anybody, and I'm not gonna say he's worse than anybody. I only made the comparison of speed. Yes, from what we know, he is faster than Darren Sproles, Deuce Vaughn, Josh Scobie, whoever you want to throw out there that we know of, that we've seen 40 times. But I don't think he's fair that like Rivals has given him a three-star. I, 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 you can easily watch the film and see that not many are better than him in this 2023 class. Now, when he hears this conversation, I hope it you know doesn't all go to his head and he gets cocky or whatever. I, I, I think he's a big believer in his skills. He, he knows how good he is. He's well aware. Anything you tell him if he hears this, anything I'm saying, he's probably heard it before. His parents were talking him up during the press conference after his announcement. They're well aware of how good Dylan Edwards is. Leon was talking him up after the race the other day. All I'm saying is, as a member of the media, big K-State fan, am I a homer? Absolutely. 100%. I think this is what this show is about anyway, being a homer towards K-State. I think that's perfectly fine. But... uh, I just think it's important that to share how special this is, a kid of his caliber, his talent. I've said it many times in the summer, in the past, these type of players with this kind of talent weren't coming to Mm K-State. They were going to big-name schools that have the big brands, the ones that you know maybe had jumped from one conference to another because it's a better brand, or they are one that are the conference. They are the brand. They were going to schools like that. But he is hopefully, along with 
Avery Johnson, among others, in this 2023 recruiting class that are making now K-State into what we are hoping it is turning into. The top talent in the state of Kansas want to play for the in-state school. They're getting younger and they're getting hipper, boys and girls. <laughs> Just like hopefully the Big 12 is, according to Brett Yormark. Let's take a timeout when we come back. Let's get to a number one song of the day next. Chanel, three weeks and number one. I'm gonna make her mine, oh mine. Rock and roll pop, country, rockabilly singer, songwriter from Jacksonville, Texas. Before he was a musician, he actually worked in radio. And then joined up with singer, songwriter, and harmonica player. Delbert McClinton. How about that name? Delbert McClinton. Performing mostly close uh, country music, Chanel is a Rockabilly Hall of Fame inductee, and he is considered a one-hit wonder. I tried looking at a discography. doesn't have one listed, so just going with this one-hit wonder status. So he wrote this song sometime in 1959, and for about two years, Chanel, he performed the song at his live gigs before he had the opportunity to record it, ended up recording it for the first time in a Fort Worth-based label, and then uh, Hey Baby started to sell pretty well, and that's when it got some national distribution. Now, remember the year I said this was the number one song in 1962. The success of this song would take Bruce Chanel over to Europe. And would do a tour through Europe. There are a couple of shows, though, he needed a backup band. He needed a band to perform with him. Who would that band be? The Beatles. <laughs> it was before they had Ringo Starr. Pete Best was still the drummer. They were still, you know, playing in pubs. House band. So they would fill in a couple of times. John Lennon was extremely inspired by this song. Specifically, the harmonica intro that you hear that was played by Delbert McClinton. He was so inspired that it inspired the harmonica part in Love Me Do. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, Chanel would end up doing a remix of this song back in 2002 as it would coincide with the World Cup. Now, also by that time, Hey Baby had a bunch of remixes, had a bunch of covers, 
And also by that time, a lot of clubs had inherited that song as like one of their big supporter songs that their supporters would sing along with at the matches or wherever they're at. Now, one of the remixes that became famous was by an, Austri- uh, an Austrian artist by the name of DJ Otzi. And he recorded a version that added a ooh, ha. Now, go ahead and, and kill this, Travion, because not only did soccer clubs pick up that version and make it one of their own, well, so did wrestling fans. And I remember going to some Raws after WrestleManias because that's always the, like the best show to go to because it's always the internet. You get a lot of international fans in there. They're always the rowdiest, the most fun. And there was a wrestler still in WWE by the name of Bailey. And they took this song, instead of saying, hey, baby, ah. they said, hey, Bailey. Back to the claps. That has been happening for about seven years. When the international fans show up, that's when you start hearing the Bailey version at wrestling shows. Well, Hey Baby was used also in the 1987 film Dirty Dancing, Travion, one of your favorite movies, I'm guessing. It's okay. It's okay. Good soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. It's all right. Yeah, it's, it's a good song. It's a good movie. Yeah, soundtrack's good. I agree. I agree. Uh, that's in the scene when Johnny and Baby dance on top of the log. And guys, did you know, believe it or not, this was the very first number one song ever to have an exclamation point in the title. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. No, I just wanted the awkward pause. Oh, okay. I just I thought that told the story better than anything. The awkward pause. That big nugget. Nobody could believe I I know you're all shocked. I'm sure those listening in your cars right now, your trucks, SUVs, you're all shocked by that nugget. But it's true. The very first number one song with an exclamation point in its title. And it's not even at the end of the title. It's in the middle. It's after hey. Baby mm-hmm. did not get an exclamation point. Just hey. So that's the title. Hey, baby. So everybody remember that. It's not, hey, baby. It's, hey, baby. That's the title of the song. All right. Travion, are you ready to work here in just a moment? Yes. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, Travion's Ask Us Anything next. Travion's in charge of the questions today. What do you got? All right. What movie makes you laugh out loud whenever you watch it? Boy, Blazing where I, Saddles. Where do I start? I mean, Blazing Saddles is one of them. I watched, uh, well, I've watched the movie Son-in-Law like three or four times in the last month, which has been on TV randomly, but that's the one that always cracks me up. I mean, I my list is endless, but I, I have a solid go-to of movies. Super bad, I would mm-hmm. say, is still up there. I mean, there's, yeah. Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, I just rewatched Vacation recently, and that's always pretty good. Uh, comedies are hard for me because you know 
a lot of them are hit and miss. Well, me. I would also throw out Young Frankenstein. Yes. Any Mel Brooks, Brooks film, you know. Now, I will say, um, like, the Monty Python movies. The British humor, you know, it doesn't work with everybody. Have you ever watched Monty Python's show, though? I've not. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what else you got? Um, uh, what song always makes you burst into tears? Or that you would like to admit so? <clears throat> so... I've never, like, just by listening to a song, like, in my car or whatever, on my CD player. Let me rephrase this. What song, like, just, like, makes you emotional? It could be, like, tied to a personal memory or something that it's just like, oh, man, that, you know, that's cool. I, see, I've never had that experience. It's not like one song or songs that I've I tied to a certain experience or anything. I don't really have those songs. It's just that I have... I have choked up a couple of times at concerts mm. like elton john for instance last time i saw him i got a little choked up i was like this is probably the last time i'm gonna see him and he's just crushing and it's goodbye yellow brick road and ah. it's getting a little uh a little dusty in little here a little dusty in here <laughs> am i allergic to the air i don't know <laughs> question again sorry Oh, oh he, he, was, sorry. <laughs> Troy was too busy on his phone. I, I had a watching videos. No, I had a friend hit me. Uh, needed a quick answer on something. What's a song that makes you choked up? Oh, a song that makes you know what? Honestly, and it, as cheesy as it may sound, given uh, given that we hear it, how many home games? The home we built by Brooks and Dunn. Does it? You put that with the video that they produce. And having been there, I just love the collage of highlights more than I do the actual song. I know the song completes it, but I'm not here for the song. I'm here for the highlights. Sure. I mean, I didn't build it. They built it. Yeah. Valid. But it speaks to K-Staters, I think, because we helped build it with the fandom. Uh, and the money we've poured in. Yeah, dang right. <laughs> because, of course, we donated a lot of money. We. You understand what I'm saying? We. a uh -huh. lot of money is uh -huh. even an understatement. <laughs> well, what's yours? Um, You know one that always kind of gets me for some reason, and I don't really know why? Eyes Without a Face by Billy Idol. <laughs> Maybe that's just me, but it just it's a really pretty song. <laughs> I mean, wow. There's a lot okay. of pretty songs out there. <laughs> I, there's got to be more to that than just it's a pretty song. I don't know. It just, I don't know. I couldn't tell you why. It just sounds real, like the synths and everything. I mean, something by the Beatles, I think of as a pretty song, but I don't get choked up. When I saw Paul McCartney do And I Love Her, which is my favorite Beatles song, I got choked up a little bit, I'll admit. Let It Be would probably be in there. I do like the uh, the backstory to Let It Be. Sure. Like Paul McCartney's mom visiting him in dreams and yes. Let It Be. Of course, he could have just totally made that up. but Yeah, I mean, it could have been the good. LSD at the time. Well, I suppose <laughs> we'll end it on that. Coming up tomorrow, I'm gone. 
and so is Travion. Troy's going to be in charge, uh, whatever he says. Again, that is his opinion, his opinion only, along with DG for Travion. Troy, I'm Mitch. I'll talk to you Wednesday. Go Cats.